What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. Hello, this is Ryan Staley, and I am really happy to have you here today on the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast. So today, we're going to go over something that is very near and dear to my heart, and it's the one thing that creates financial and lifestyle freedom in sales. And essentially, this is the whole reason why I'm doing this. Um, There's going to be some amazing things we're going to cover today, but let me give you a little bit of backstory and how this all kind of took place and, and how it shaped out to grind out to where it was today. So I grew up naturally being average to below average. And I would say that that took place in sports, academics. Uh, But what I did to overcome that, though, was I grinded my way to being average or above average. So I always had to work my butt off. And I'll just give you a little more detail. I wore husky pants, which which are pants for big kids. I had bad acne, was awkward around girls. So as you can tell, I wasn't really starting with a stacked deck there, you know. I had a, a Clark W. Griswold graded wood grain siding station wagon, which uh, once again was awesome for my image and my my brand in, in high school uh, in terms of popularity and, and with the ladies. And however, though, as I kind of went through, I, I saw as I was growing up, uh, my mom and my dad, you know, my, my mother was a, a teacher who would work full days as teacher, and then she would come home and work on lesson plans after she took care of us, the kids, for three hours just to make sure she delivered the most for her children and created the best possible experience that she was teaching. On top of it, too, my dad was a, was a policeman, and he worked midnights. Uh, he, he would come home after working long hours, and, in, and essentially what he would do is he would get all these extra jobs to help us make ends meet because I was a, in a lower middle class family at the time. And, you know, on top of it, too, I, I had two, two sisters who uh, had a much easier time in school. However, you know, going back to kind of what I was talking about, I saw my parents working those long hours and that didn't really benefit them at all financially. Uh, later, I got a job. I mean, I started off. I did all the, the jobs you can imagine, the, the, uh, the paper route. I eventually worked at a shoe store. I, I worked at a factory in 98 degree heat where I was pulling burning hot t-shirts off the trail, I should say the uh, conveyor belt and uh, burning my hands, packaging them. And then at the same time, I was a bus boy and I made 375 an hour and, and then earned tips on top of it. So once I went through that, I thought it was super unfair that people would bust their butts and work really, really hard and get paid the same amount. So I found sales and absolutely fell in love with it. And the reason why is because it was the first profession that I saw where you got paid basically what you delivered and and you got paid on results. Whereas a lot of these other jobs, I mean, people were knocking the cover off the ball. However, it didn't benefit them at all financially. And so I started off in college. I was working door to door. I would, over the summer, I would sell advertising, I would spend 50 hours, and I ended up finishing in the top percent, top 10%, which I was really proud of because I really sucked to start. I was terrible. I was absolutely brutal. 
Um, and then on top of it, my first job after that, like out of school, I worked in a, an environment that was very similar to the movie Boiler Room. Now, I wasn't selling like illegal stocks that didn't exist, but a lot of shenanigans happened at that company. It was an inside sales position. I did about 250 dials a day, which just seems insane right now. Uh, and I went from being last in my class to sell something, like my train class, there was like 15 people, to number one in North America. And my main vehicle that I did that was by working, once again, long hours, 60, 70 hours. Outside sales after that, uh, I had zero deals in the first nine months. I had two managers in the first year and four over the first two years. Uh, once again, I, I was desperate at the point where I had to get results. And so I would work, once again, really long hours, 60, 70 hours. And from there, I, I, I came through and busted through and and made multiple presidents clubs there and, and had a very successful career. However, you know, one of the things that plagued me when I was younger and I was going through that journey is I always thought that more money that I had or more money that I would make, the happier I would be. So I kept chasing like top performer and I kept trying to make more money. And then on the inside though, however, you know, growing up, as I kind of told you and gave you a quick sample, I was never the fittest. I was never the best athlete, best in school. It was really awkward around around women and, and, and girls. And, and so... Both my sisters became doctors, and, and I was in a high-achieving family, which was awesome, um, very competitive. And so both my sisters ended up being doctors, which is the most well-respected position. And so I, I, that wasn't, I wasn't cut from that cloth. I wasn't going to be a doctor. That didn't interest me. Uh, and so what I wanted to do is really stick out by being a top performer in sales. And that was something that drove me. So what happened was... I kind of brought you to current to, to where we're at. And then as life went on, I, I decided to live the Midwest dream or the, uh, the, the American dream, get married. You know, I got married to my wife who's the love of my life. I bought a big house, started a family. That's like the, the boxes you got to check if, if, you know, you're living the American dream, right? So what happened was my wife was, this was close to the end of 2009, early 2010, and what happened was my wife was pregnant, so we were super excited because we were starting a family. I had everything lined up. But after going through all those sales careers, like I wasn't very motivated. I wasn't engaged anymore because I just got tired of just constantly trying to hit the next target that somebody else put in front of me. Year after year, it's like, okay, great job, now do more. Great job, now do more. You know, you're the hero of the day, the hero of the week, and then it all starts over and you got to start over again. So I got a little complacent. And what happened from there is I ended up getting fired. You know, it was early 2010. My wife was, like I said, probably four or five months pregnant at the time. And this was really a gut-wrenching blow to me. I didn't know how to emotionally deal with this because my whole entire identity was built around being a top performer or trying to be a top performer. And it was also built around providing just like my parents did. They found a way no matter what. And so I'm like, Hey, if I just instill that and leverage that and just work my butt off, I'll find a way. And so what happened was eventually I did find another job. Um, and I went through a couple jobs for, or I went one job didn't work out. And I went through another job where I ended up becoming a sales leader and I, I was committed 
in my heart and in my soul that I was going to outwork everyone. I was never going to get fired again. So I would run through walls. I would be the company man. However, doing that and working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, what happened was my life was so unbalanced, I turned into a really angry person. I was frustrated. I felt like I was giving everything I had to the company I worked for, and I didn't have that reciprocal appreciation. And I kept working harder and harder, and they kept asking for more and more, which was you know, understandable because they were trying to grow the business. However, it wasn't totally aligned with the best interest of myself and my life. And you know how it is. I mean, you're the hero of the day one quarter and then you don't get talked to the next. And so anger and frustration started to seep through me and it it started to spill out into all parts of my life because I I felt like, once again, I'm extremely loyal. I was putting everything I can and I wasn't getting the same reciprocal feedback from my employer. And so what happened was all that anger and frustration started to become really apparent and I grew further and further apart from my team my wife, my family, my friends. And and it was really a, a, a period in my life where I started to feel like I was all alone. Like there was no one else that really understand what I was going through because I didn't want to put my family in that position again and I wanted to be the provider, but it was making me miserable, angry, frustrated in the process. So what ended up happening is I ended up getting demoted and, and turned into an overlay position for just big deals because that was one of the things that, that I was really good at and viewed as really good at. So on top of it too, I remember coming home one day and I was like super excited because normally, like I said, I was working so many hours, I would be at dinner and be on my phone instead of talking to my wife. Uh, the kids would be in bed most of the time by the time I got home, so I never saw them. And I was excited because my my uh, daughter, who was probably about two at the time, I came home and I was so excited to see her. And I got home early that day. I, I don't remember why, but there's something that happened. I don't know if it was an appointment by my house or something. And I went to give her a hug. And I'm like, hey, honey. Hey, baby, I'm home. And in the most, like, I, I, it's, it's hard to even explain what happened. But she wouldn't even give me a hug at that time. She wouldn't even come by me. And like looking back, I could totally understand why because she didn't even know me. Like the bulk of her life, I was never even around. And so who the heck was this guy coming in? You know, Um, so that devastated me to my core, to my soul. I felt like I was going to throw up. I was sweating. I mean, it was just the biggest shock. So I talked to a mentor of mine who, who's an executive at a Fortune 1000 company. He's like, hey, man, I go, what should I do? I'm, my, my relationships are melting down, work at home. My relationship with my wife was struggling, my kids. He's like, he's like, hey, man, you should check out this personal development event. And at that personal development event, there was, there's a few things that I kind of realized, and, and one, even though it's really, really apparent right now, is my whole life was out of whack. It was so unbalanced and uneven that there's no wonder why I was miserable. And the second is that modeling is something that I truly learned that I could really, really cut off the amount of time that I was spending learning something instead of just trying to 
bust through the wall like a Kool-Aid man every time I was trying to learn something new or get something done, there was opportunities for me to accelerate that process in days, months, years while working way less on it. And so hard work wasn't enough anymore. That was one of the things that, that came to the forefront of my mind. And then I truly realized that my employer wasn't in charge of my growth or my happiness. I was. And that was a choice. So they were focused on the outcomes of, of the company making money and not on my happiness or the needs of the employees. Now, they were in some needs of the employees. I don't want to say that they're truly bad. There's some amazing things that I got from that company and some amazing people that I met. So I don't want to take it from that. But that wasn't their responsibility. And I always thought it was. And, and so once I realized that, I'm like, hey, I got the ability to do anything. It was like an invisible lid was lifted off of me. And now I could finally out, see outside of the jar. It was like this whole new world opened up. Um, and so basically to reclaim my life, I'm like, hey, there's really three things that I need to do and that are totally related to sales that I highly recommend you paying attention to right now is I had to find a new way to shave off the time I was working by 20%. There's no way I could, I could be mentally happy if I was still working 70 hours and not seeing anybody right? The second way is I had to find a way to be mentally present outside of work. You know, how do I rejuvenate myself so I'm not absolutely destroyed every time I come home from work and can't even concentrate and have a conversation, just want to veg out. And then the third is how do I find a way to keep up with constant quote increases for my team that happen by sometimes as much 50%, up to 50% per year, while also increasing my income? So that, I mean, those are pretty big challenges you got, but just asking how do I solve it instead of what I don't want. And so the only way I figured if I did that was if I got really, really good at acquiring and closing the biggest customers or whales as I call them and provided a vehicle for my team to do that. And so my plan was what I did is I reverse engineered every top performer I ever worked with. What did I do when I was a top performer? What were the years that I crushed it and worked way less? And then also I looked at it from a company perspective. What was every top customer the company had and identified in the sales cycle why some opportunities, there's like, let's say you look at two different opportunities. Why did one take nine months? So they take the same exact amount of time and one was worth 360,000 and another was 1.8 million. Why were some verticals so much easier to work and expand in versus others? There was the same effort, the same time, and even the same rep. So why would there be such a massive difference in the outcomes, even if they were working the same time on it? And so what I saw is patterns emerged and it became really obvious that there were sweet spots in every vertical in a certain way to acquire those multi-billion dollar companies from scratch, even at high margins. So, you know, initially the thought was, hey, we're just gonna go out market and we're just gonna start an enterprise team from scratch, which I hear happening all the time right now. And it's not that simple. So after trying to do that, we're like, hey, we got a shoestring budget, we don't have a training program, and we hired reps with no experience. How do you think that went initially? <laughs> So after months with little or no progress, 
I started to fear for my job again, which hit on an emotional, like very sensitive spot. So we were flying across the country, taking 5 a.m. flights, getting home at nine and then doing it all again. We're sleeping at airports, staying out till 2 a.m., entertaining the low tier opportunities. And so as you can see, this isn't this isn't checking the box in terms of finding a new way to shave off the time I was working by 20%. I was actually working more. This is going the wrong direction. So we had to get results now. So every single deal, we looked at what went right and what went wrong every single time. We had no lead gen, so we had to continuously go to events and do whatever we needed to do to build relationships, whether it be entertaining, whether it be uh, being the first person there, the first team there, the first people there, the last to leave. It seemed like everything that we were doing was destined to fail. We're feeling tired, hungover, jet lagged, exasperated, frustrated, but we just kept enduring. We just kept focusing on those little things and making those incremental improvements each and every day. We would get close or a verbal on a deal and then they would go away. Or we would get ghosted for three to four months. And one day at a time, we just kept enduring. We kept going, we kept going, we kept going. Then finally it happened. You know, I remember I was at a fundraiser and a deal we were working on for 18 months, which we thought was alive, dead, alive, dead, alive, dead. It just kept going back and forth. And like, no, we're not gonna do this, follow back up in four months, you know? Uh, there's a change in management follow-up in four months. So we kept going that. So I was at a fundraiser and then I got a call. I'm like, hey, I, this number looks familiar. There's a guy named Jason. He called me up. He's IT director at $8 billion company. And he goes, hey, Ryan. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? What, what can I help you with? It was like late on a Friday afternoon. He goes, I just sent you something in your email. Can you check it out? I'm like, yeah. And I pulled it up and it was a contract signed, a multi-million dollar contract. And so that was one of the big dominoes that fell for us. And then after that, it started a whole floodgate because since we were constantly looking at what we needed to improve on, and I'm going to go deeper on, on some of these, these concepts in podcasts coming up that we have and episodes coming up, I think you'd be really excited. But because of some of the concepts that we learned and the little specific nuggets, they would make massive changes. And we learned by constant failed attempts. And the thing that was awesome is I had a holistic view across the entire team. So I could see patterns, whereas if people were individuals, they didn't have access to those patterns. So what ended up happening is I had members on my team increasing their income from 120,000 to 600,000. They're working 10 hours less a week and they didn't even have any experience, right? There's a, a, other people that hit 200% of their quota while only working nine months of the year while they're pregnant. You know, there's also, uh, a gentleman that I mentored who was a 30 year sales veteran, veteran who plateaued and increased his income by hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so this was so rewarding because by helping them do that, it helped me accomplish my goals as well. And so while helping that, it helped me three X my income and get an equity payout, which was absolutely amazing. But like I was telling you before, is like none of this matters if, if I was back to working that 78 hours a week and not really enjoying life or being fulfilled. So now, you know, what happened after that is I enjoyed life. I enjoyed my daughter's smile, my son's laughter, my wife's love. My self-worth wasn't built around what I did for the company anymore or the feedback they gave me, but it was around enjoying the journey and just constantly growing. You know, so I didn't have to miss the school plays anymore. I didn't have to miss the t-ball games. Vacation wasn't a quote unquote waste of time anymore. And life truly opened up for me emotionally and mentally. 
And so from that, beautiful things occurred. And, and now that I didn't have the pressure on top of me or the stress, I was able to volunteer. I, I got to do amazing things. I played catch with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I, I got metric from smartest, some of the smartest people in the world. And what all that has done is that has taken me here. And so really what I want to do is give back to you and help you create a life that you desire by learning the ninja skills from sales and marketing and, and the journey that I'm going on right now as an entrepreneur to help you because once I, had, I realized that I had the keys to overcoming what's now even higher than a 90% failure rate by sales professionals every year and all the mental issues that came along with it, that, that I had to do something about it. It was my responsibility, my moral obligation to do something about it. And so I'm stretching myself. I'm going to keep pushing and I want to help you create an amazing, fun life and kill it at sales or marketing. So we're going to have these journeys from different individuals. And then every single episode, give you something specific and tangible that you can take away and implement so that, you know, it, one episode might be able to change the entire course of your career. That's my goal and that's the outcome we're gonna deliver for you. So I wanna thank you for your time today. And then in the next episode, we'll go deeper on the ninja skill, ninja skills that help my team flip, continuous comp plan changes, massive quota hikes, and no lead gen support on its head by going deeper on kind of what we talked about, that one thing that's gonna make the difference. So we're gonna go deeper on that in the next episode. Thank you for joining me today. It's been awesome. I'm really looking forward to sharing this journey with you and hearing about yours. This is Ryan Saley. I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.